0: A day in the life of an emergency room physician, or in this case, a night in the life. That's next on the scope.
1: This is from the front lines with emergency room physician Dr. Troy Madsen on the scope. On the scope.
0: Dr. Troy Madsen an emergency room physician at University of Utah Healthcare, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to go through a typical shift. You know, the things that you encounter in an emergency room. You know, as one of your typical days, is there even such thing as a typical day for you? Uh, I think you would probably say that
1: the typical day is atypical (laughs) because it always changes.
0: But you have a a list. You keep track of everything you see every single night for whatever reason. I do. I keep track of it mostly
1: because I need to remember to finish the charts to make sure I get those done. But I, I do keep track of things. I also use my list to follow up with people, give them phone calls to make sure they're doing okay if it's someone I'm concerned about.
0: Gotcha. So... Let's just go down this list and see some of the things that you encounter. And if any questions come up, I'll ask them. But I think for sure. this, this should be really interesting. All right. What was...
1: Yeah. So this is a typical night shift and I'm certainly not going to reveal any protected health information or anything specifically about these individuals. But these are the kinds of things we see in an emergency department. So I walk in the ER and the first thing I see is someone who's there with a fever. They've come with a fever. That's the first patient I go in and see. It may have been for whatever reason, but their chief complaint, as we call it, the thing that's on the chart, on the board is that they have a fever and I have to try and figure out why they have that fever. Uh, and then there's someone with a headache. Uh, the next room I go to, and typically what I'm doing, I'm coming into a shift and there may be a four or five patients waiting to be seen. Maybe they've gotten some testing going. So I'm saying, okay, fever, next one's headache. Next thing I know, someone's coming in who's had some burns. Um, they've had some burns. They sustained from flash burns where something exploded in their face. Um, so I'm going in to see that person next. And then moving on from there to someone who has a laceration on their face. Uh, they were injured. Uh, they have a laceration. I need to repair. It's a cut. Uh, a cut. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A cut on the face. Uh, and so these are all the things that are on my mind as I walk into my shift. I'm thinking, okay, what do I need to address first? I've got this facial burn. I need to make sure this person's breathing okay, that it didn't affect their airway. Thinking on the laceration, okay, I could probably wait on that. I'm going to check and make
0: sure there are no other injuries. So you have to make these decisions who you're going to see first. Somebody else doesn't do that oh, for absolutely. you. Oh, okay. I do. So you've got a list of the things that are there, and then you've got to go, this is going to be the first thing I'm going to check out.
1: Exactly. Okay. I'm looking. I've got these patients I need to see, and if someone there has chest pain or I can look at their vital signs, if their vital signs are abnormal, I'm getting into that room first, Yes, and I'm prioritizing all the time in the ER. Who do I need to go see right now? Of those I've been seeing, of those who are new, where do I need to go first?
0: So obviously somebody who's having difficulty breathing is going to be seen before I'm going to be seen with my broken arm. That is exactly right. Yes. We're
1: going to go in and see that first. And
0: the ABCs, let's talk about that just briefly. Yes. Those are the three important things that you're looking for. And go ahead and explain that.
1: Yeah, ABCs, we're always thinking airway first, making sure their airway is intact, that they can move air through it. Breathing, making sure they are breathing and then circulation making sure they have a heartbeat, a blood pressure. Um, Those are the three priorities I'm always thinking through. So if I look at someone's vital signs and their blood pressure is, you know, 70 over 40, I'm in that room immediately, and the person with the facial laceration can probably wait.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right, keep going.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of what I start out with on the night shift. The next thing I see is someone who's pregnant, someone who's coming in with some pregnancy issues, uh, maybe in the first trimester, the first third of the pregnancy uh, possibly having some bleeding during pregnancy, someone I would go in to to see, or you know, how are things going with their pregnancy? Are there any issues there we need to address? Uh, and then someone who's confused, and this is a common thing we see in the emergency department. Really, yeah, it is, and it's it's usually older people. Uh, oftentimes, someone who may be in a care facility, who someone in the facility says this person's not acting quite right. And the challenge there is it could be any of a number of things going on. So I've got to kind of throw out a net, as we say in that situation oftentimes running lots of tests to try and figure out what could be causing the confusion.
0: Could confusion be life-threatening? It could be. That could be a symptom of something life-threatening for somebody.
1: Oh, it could be. I've seen cases where, you know, and you just see them again and again. So you kind of get programmed to think, oh, maybe it's a urinary tract infection. Maybe it's their medications. But I've seen cases of people who have had bleeding in their brain uh, from, you know, basically they're, they're just saying, well, they're confused. They're not acting quite right. They may have had a fall at some point and had blood that accumulated, and no mm-hmm. one knew they fell. So you've got to really, you know, look for heart attacks. You've got to look for infections. You've got to look for signs of trauma. All those sorts of things. Okay. Um, and then from there, I again see someone else that has a headache. Someone else came in that also had a headache. All right. It- <laughs> so how often are
0: headaches actually a good reason to go to the ER? That's a great question.
1: Uh, you know, a lot of people have chronic headaches and they know when to go to the ER for those because they just cannot manage their migraines at home. Uh, big headaches that we worry about are those that are worse than previous headaches you've had or sudden onset severe headaches. Uh, if you have a headache plus a fever, we think about meningitis. So those would all be reasons to go to the ER and all things that I'm thinking about as I see, okay, the next patient I'm going to see has a headache. Um, from there, I saw someone who was suicidal. Uh, someone who actually came in saying they had had thoughts of hurting themselves, may not have made an actual attempt, uh, but that's certainly a reason also to go to the ER. Huh, and, I yeah. didn't know
0: that. Yeah, we we see
1: that quite commonly. Uh, and partly, I think, because our emergency department, um, because we work closely with the University Neuropsychiatric Institute, so a lot of patients who are admitted there will come through us. Uh, but I would say over the course of a shift, I very commonly will see at least one, maybe several people come in. Hmm. Um, who are there for either a suicide attempt or thoughts of suicide. After that, I go in to see someone who's there for what we call a crisis evaluation. And this is addressing psychiatric complaints, uh, psychiatric issues, uh, and not necessarily suicide. Maybe they've been more depressed. Uh, some people have chronic psychiatric issues. Uh, they may have had issues where they're not taking medications and have become very manic or had a lot of issues associated with that. Uh, and then from there, I saw someone with atrial fibrillation. Um, so this is an issue where the heart's beating very rapidly, where it's just uh, sometimes just so quickly that uh, we have to actually give them a shock to get it back into a normal rhythm, and and that's something we very commonly will do in the emergency department.
0: Like a like a shock, like boo, or
1: <laughs> well, I mean, like how do you
0: shock them? We shock them with electricity,
1: really, to get so, their heart going where yeah, it should be again. Exactly, and you may have seen on movies where people pull the paddles out and they're holding the paddles on their chest, and everyone says clear, and then they shock. It's not quite that dramatic, but it's pretty close. <laughs> really? So that's
0: what it looks like. Yeah, of. you're
1: actually delivering electricity to the heart to take it from an abnormal rhythm huh. and try and shock it back into an organized rhythm. And I'm not just walking in the room, grabbing paddles and putting it on their chest. You know, these are people who come in, they're talking to me. They know when it started. It may be the first time it happened, um, or they may be familiar with this from before. Maybe they've been shocked in the past. I make sure they would meet qualification to be able to undergo this procedure safely. Uh, but then I give them medication to sedate them and give them a shock.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: from there, I saw someone who was short of breath. Wow. Uh, who came in saying they just weren't breathing well. After that, an allergic reaction, a severe allergic reaction. We had to give medication for to treat it. Uh, and uh, another fever patient, someone else with a fever. And I finished up the night with another case of a rapid heart rate and atrial fibrillation.
0: That is quite a night. How long is your shift? Uh,
1: The night shifts
0: eh, are scheduled
1: for eight hours. You know, I usually plan I'm going to be there about 10 hours, just wrapping things up and taking care of issues at the end of the shift. So so that's a pretty typical uh, day or night in the ER.
0: And uh, from that typical day or night, uh, I don't don't even know if I should ask this question. How many of those people actually made the right choice coming in?
1: Um, You know, as I look back on these, I can say I can't... yeah, you know, I can't really say that any of these I would say don't come in. You know, these yeah. were all, as I'm looking back specifically at these, um, and again, it's been a while ago. I'm not going to say when all this happened because I don't want to tie this into any potential health information on anyone. But, uh, you know, these all seem like fairly ge- legitimate reasons to go to the ER. The other issue at night is there are no urgent cares. So it's not like you can go to an urgent care or call your doctor and be seen in the middle of the night for your facial laceration or
0: sure. Like that. sure, sure, sure. Huh. Well, that's very, very interesting. So I think the, the interesting thing for me was uh, my perception always was you'd see a lot of broken bones, uh, you know, a lot of cuts, a lot of that sort of thing, but there's quite a variety of reasons. Somebody might come to the ER.
1: There is, you see a little of everything and that's, what's fun about it. Like I said, you go from the room of someone who's pregnant to someone who's having a heart issue to someone who's having trauma to someone who's having a psychiatric
0: issue, kind of the full spectrum was really interesting insight, some things that I wouldn't have expected in your list there. What are some things that weren't on the list that you do tend to see typically, but maybe just not that night? You know, one thing we didn't see a lot of
1: that night was trauma. A lot of people coming in injured, and the most common sort of trauma we see is motor vehicle accidents and injuries from that. We also see penetrating trauma like stab wounds or gunshot wounds. Occasionally see that. We didn't see any of that that night either. Another common thing we'll often see are infections, things like pneumonia or people just coming in with upper respiratory infections. I uh, didn't see a lot of that that night either. So it's kind of funny in the ER. That's the fun thing about it. You never know what you're going to get. There's some nights where it seems like you just cannot get out of the trauma room. It's just one accident after another. Other nights, you may not even go in the room.
0: Yeah. And other nights, it might just be because a lot of people that are confused exactly like confused old people coming in for that's whatever exactly reason
1: right we didn't have a lot of that that night either but there are some days where that seems like that's all you see or older people coming in confused and not sure what's going on and then you have to really kind of look for a lot of different possibilities in those scenarios
0: the Scope radio.com is university of utah health sciences radio if you like what you heard be sure to get our latest content by following us on facebook just click on the facebook icon at thescoperadio.com